Senhoras e senhores. What's going on, everyone? Welcome on in. It is your boy, El Parcero Philly, and I'm going to be thoroughly blunt with you guys. We are here for one purpose and one purpose only. We are in the dawn here of potentially could be a playoff run here for the Philadelphia Phillies. I don't want to think about the negatives. I want to think about the positive, especially as a Philly sports fan of what we saw on Monday night. So I'm looking forward ahead, and I'm thinking about the Phillies, and I'm thinking about the Braves, and that's all that's on my mind here. And today we're going to look at the series. We're going to preview for you, for you guys here today. Before we move forward and diving deep into it, guys, do me a quick favor. If you're watching this live on Ed Parcero Phillies' YouTube channel, make sure you guys hit that like button and, and subscribe to the channel. And, of course, uh, we'll be back at it on Oin Philly Sports tomorrow. You can find Oin Philly Sports where you subscribe to anywhere on podcasts, Apple, Google, and Spotify. Uh, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button there. All right, guys, today to preview this crucial, very crucial series between the Philadelphia Phillies and the Atlanta Braves, I have none other than my man, the Phillies expert that I know, Mr. David Esser. Dave, what's going on, my man? Welcome on in. How you been, brother? Yeah, uh, I've been doing well. It's it's been a minute since I've been on here, so I'm very excited and happy to be back. And you know, you, I think you summed it up pretty well. They are, the Philadelphia Phillies are inches away from October baseball. Um, it's not going to be easy. It, mm -hmm. It's it's not even going to be close to easy. But they are they are right there. Six games left, and and they really do control their own destiny right now. Dude, this is really what I mean. What else could you ask for? I mean, this is pivotal, pivotal baseball. Like you said, six games left. I mean, NL the NLE's flair here. I have to change the background here. I have to because I'm pumped up. I'm juiced up here. Um, but look, we know over the ever since our run, I mean, the Atlanta Braves have really been like the the king of this division. And I'll be honest with you, Dave. It's it's fucking pissed me off. <laughs> I'll be I'll be straightly blunt with you, man. It's pissed me off seeing Atlanta, you know, hoist the NLE's uh, crown there. So it's gonna be a lot of fun uh, watching the series go go down. Uh, and, and I'm I'm super excited to to get started. And it's and it comes full circle, Dave, because you were part of the preview of the season with me uh, here on my channel. And uh, we're we're here now. Uh, I think both of us. I think both of us had us ha had this team around 85 to 88 wins. Uh, so we're, I mean, we're not going to get, we're not going to get the 88, but we'll, we'll get, we'll get somewhere around there, hopefully. So uh, we're, we weren't too far off with, with our predictions, Dave. Yeah. I mean, at the minimum, it feels like they'll finish over 500 this year, which is like <laughs> a great step in the right direction. Um, you know, I think heading into the season, I had them pinned as a wild card team. Um, you know, I don't think anyone saw the San Francisco giants being as good as they were. So that kind of eliminated a wild card spot for the Phillies. Um, and in the, the Cardinals, same, yeah, card. I don't know what black magic voodoo power they've been using recently, but they are they are quite hot at the moment. Um, you know, the Braves were always kind of the top dog in the NL East, but they opened the door this year. They lost Acuna, they lost Marcelo Zuna. Soroka's not been healthy. Um, you know, they've made some really good additions at the trade deadline, which we'll get into a little bit later. But the door's open; it's open a crack. But uh, you know, the Phillies they're right there, and you know, if they can just squeeze out a couple of wins then they would get to the postseason for the first time in, in over a decade. Hopefully, man, hopefully. Um, so I do have to ask you because I think everyone realizes what's at stake here. This team has yet to see playoffs, has yet to see Red October and 10 years. So I, ha I have to uh, shed some light here. What were you doing during that Cardinals and Phillies series back in 2011, man? It's It's been a while, dude. 
Uh, I was in I was in Philly. I still hey. lived there at the time. Yeah, um, I was at the 08 parade. Skip skip school for that. So I was jealous. I was I was still in Philadelphia at the time. So I mean, I was glued to the television with my neighbors and my family every single game. Um, you know, that kind of four aces era of Philly baseball was kind of what really got me into the sport. Just I mean, I love pitching. So watching these guys every single day, just gem after gem. Um, you know, and ultimately it didn't work out in 2011. But yeah, I was I was right there in the in Philly, uh, you know, surrounded by Phillies fans. It was definitely a, a fun couple of years for myself personally. It's funny, Dave, because um, I had this discussion with my girlfriend the other day. She's like, why are you so like dedicated into the Phillies this year more than more than ever? And I explained to her, like, when I was around that era, now, I was in high school. I was a freshman in high school during 08. I couldn't miss the parade because I played football at the time. My coach was was very adamant. If you guys go to the parade, you will not be playing on Friday night. And I was like, I need to play Friday night. So I didn't go. But during that era of Phillies baseball, I think for a lot of Phillies fans, I can say that was probably their, their favorite era of Phillies baseball because they were so freaking good. I did not appreciate it the way that some people, other people did. Back in those days, football was the only thing I really cared about. So now that I'm older, I'm more mature. And in 2021, I love the sport of baseball. It's not just the Phillies. Like, I want to watch baseball now. And I want to enjoy that. Like, I want to be able to watch a Red October and thoroughly enjoy it and appreciate it because I didn't do that during, during the golden era. I know it's, I know it, it sounds bad, but that's just where I'm at right now. So I really, really would like to see the playoffs come back here so I can appreciate this time. And hopefully I can tell my kids about the Red October that happened in 2021, my man. So hopefully they can, uh, they can get that done for us. <laughs> Yeah, well, first of all, super lame by your football coach. Not you go to the, like, what are we doing here? Thanks, um, Coach Man. <laughs> but no, I think it's awesome that you've kind of found a you know a second appreciation for the sport. I mean, there's there's plenty of room for more Phillies fans. Um, you know, you've seen you know I reflect back to the Mets series in Citizens Bank Park last month. Like this city will latch onto the Phillies if if they start playing well. Um, they've proven time and time again like they will turn up. They will get excited. I mean, if they somehow sneak into the postseason, it'll be a sellout every single game. Um, so the city definitely loves baseball as oh, long yeah. as as long as the on-field product matches, you know, <laughs> what our expectations are. But yeah, I mean, it's been a while, but it would definitely be nice to kind of see that that buzz return. Absolutely, man. So let's talk about these 2021 Phillies. Um, you know, we talked about it in the preview before. Um, we expected this to, team to be around 500, but what have you seen from this Phillies team that's made them better than 2020 or even 2019? I mean, two, 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 two people, two individuals. Bryce Harper, uh, I think he's at this point a lock to win MVP. Anytime you have someone like that on your roster, you're going to find a way to win games. I mean, he's just been sensational. Um, and then Zach Wheeler, you know, he's a Cy Young candidate. He's going to get some votes. Um, I think for the most part, the team is probably 500-ish Talent-wise, collectively, I mean, the bullpen's still bad. The back of the rotation's not great. Uh, you know, Andrew McCutcheon, Didi Gregorius, a lot of these guys haven't lived up to the money they're being paid. But Bryce Harper, Zach Wheeler, they put the team on their back all season long, and those two are pretty much the main reason they're in this position right now. I, I have to agree with you, man. It's it's pretty exciting to see what Bryce Harper is doing. I mean, uh, to think about it, in this city, we've seen two MVP potential candidates, Joel Embiid and now Bryce Harper, We've been a little spoiled as Philly sports fans, I must say. I definitely must say. Um, but speaking to that point of Bryce, Dave, so we have the opportunity to make the playoffs. We are in what I like to call year three of the Bryce Harper experiment here. Does this team, is it a must that they make the playoffs? Or will it be okay going into next year without, again, adding on another year to the playoff trail? 
Yeah, I mean, it would it would definitely help if they made the postseason just just to kind of get some of the younger guys the experience. Um, I don't think it's a must. You know, it is year three of the Bryce Harper, uh, you know, signing, but it's only year one of the Dave Dombrowski signing, which is mm. kind of the key one here where Good point. he has yet to really implement all of his ideas, all of his additions. Um, I mean, he's going to even if they make the postseason, he's going to blow this roster up in, in the winter. He's going to add in multiple different bullpen pieces. He's probably going to add some sort of cleanup middle of the order bat, whether it's it's a Chris Bryant or one of the key shortstops. He was already linked to Byron Buxton out in center field. Like That's what they brought Dombrowski in to do. They brought him in to blow this team up. They know it's not good enough to compete with the Dodgers or the Giants or the Astros or the Yankees or you know whatever other playoff caliber team you want to pick. So I don't think it's a must because I think Dombrowski has a plan. I don't know if the plan is going to work. Um, you know, I haven't been crazy in love with some of his first couple of moves, um, but he has a plan. And I think regardless of what happens this week, uh, you're going to see a completely different baseball team in 2022. Okay. I, I do have to ask now because you, you got my mind flowing here. So um, I've been on the point this season where I feel like this team is just weirdly constructed. I wouldn't say it's terribly constructed, but it's definitely a little weirdly constructed. And when I, and it really hit me during the trade deadline when I saw, you know, Chris Bryant going to San Francisco. I saw Javier Baez going to, to the Mets. And obviously that crazy Dodgers trade with Turner and Scherzer going to LA. And I, and it, and it dawned on me, why can't we get these guys? But then I realized look at the trade packages. You know, you got, you know, great prospects going uh, to these other teams. Can this team keep going forward and compete with the teams that you mentioned without a farm system that, let's face it, really isn't producing much? Uh, short answer is no. I mean, it's it's that's the biggest thing holding the Phillies back. Not only are they not internally producing good talent. I mean, you look at Scott Kingry, Adam Hazley, uh, Alec Boehm had to be sent back down to the minor leagues. Like these were top guys for them, and they haven't panned out. Um, you know, you look at Mickey Moniak another really good example. Boom is back, though. <laughs> Boom is back. Sounds like he's just going to be a, a pinch hitter. Um, but, you know, so no, that's tough. And that's why I think free agency is going to be the time to flex the one muscle the Phillies have, which is money. Um, and they're getting a lot of big contracts off the book. They can clear O'Dougal's contract. Andrew McCutcheon, they're not going to bring him back. Archie Bradley's contract is off the book. Um, you know, maybe they dump Didi, maybe they don't. I mean, there's moves to be made. There's ways to free up money. But then you kind of also look to Dave Dombrowski and say, all right, we know you can cut a big check. That's not hard to do. Matt Klintak actually did that fairly well. Can you fill in the margins? Can you find a way to bring in some minor league talent that you can later ship off for better players down the line? Can you find a way to fill out the bullpen without spending $50 million? Because that's just not reasonable. Can you find a way to add a seventh starting pitcher, an eighth starting pitcher, guys you can lean on if someone gets hurt, like we saw with uh, Zach Eflin this year, where now he's not available and, and they're pretty they're pretty short in the starting pitching department. So that's where I think Dave Dombrowski's Hall of Fame pedi pedigree is really going to be tested. Can you fill in the margins alongside bringing in another superstar? In your expertise, what is your analysis as far as why this Phillies team can't produce farm, farm talent? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, me too. Um, I want someone I, to tell me something. I was hoping Dave could, but no, I, I get it, man. It's it's just like a it's it's a wild riddle we can't figure out, man. 
I think the biggest reason is just the former front office structure, Matt Klintak, mm-hmm. Andy McPhail. Not only were they bad at their jobs from a talent evaluation standpoint and a drafting standpoint, but they also hired really bad people. I don't know if you saw earlier this afternoon, the Phillies have actually been in contact with a former Yankees minor league official about bringing him to be the new farm director. So these kind of issues bleed down throughout the entire organization. So if you, if you have, if you have a bad GM, is going to hire a bad farm director? Who's going to hire bad minor league coaches? Who's going to hire bad minor league pitching coaches? It, it, it's really tough to fix that in a short amount of time. So I think what we've seen with the past couple of drafts, they've really prioritized pitching. They've prioritized high velocity arms. They've went in, kind of poached a lot of guys from driveline baseball. Which, if you're not familiar, they're the top of the line, kind of analytically science based uh, pitching development. Uh, you know program out there they've started hiring those guys so they're slowly moving in the right direction but it's just it's taken so long to kind of flesh out all of those really bad hires from the previous regime uh believe it or not i actually um, i'm a i'm a big fan of the uh bullpen uh blues podcast so i do know what you are talking about it is a big part of my rotation of podcasts so um it, it is it is interesting to see because um who was it was jd hammer it was another pitcher that has been uh been benefiting from this whole analytic uh approach with the pitching i forget who the other one was but yeah i i do i do see um exactly what you're talking about there and and it's like that is a good point it, it is definitely like a domino effect you, you may say that can happen there but um it's 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 time for this team to to start you know providing some good players from you know you want to think about when we talk about the those that good run with the Phillies back in the late 2000s. I mean, that all that core was built through the farm system. And it's just one thing that I would definitely like to see them improve upon. But it is tough when you do have a Bryce Harper here and a JT Real Muto and a Zach Wheeler to just kind of, you know, blow it up essentially, um, you know, and just strip it down. But um, we'll see. It's, it's good. It's good insight. Thanks for that, David. Well, really, really was curious what uh, what was going on there. But um, I w- wanted to ask about uh, this rotation. So as of right now, uh, it looks like, uh, well, obviously, Wheels is the ace with uh, Gibson and Nola kind of switching between the two and the three. Uh, Ranger Suarez, who I'm going to ask you in about a second because you know I, I've been loving me some Ranger Suarez. And then, of course, uh, that fifth guy is uh, still to, to be determined, as we like to see on the uh, on the starting lineups every day. But uh, can this rotation get it done, Dave? Can, can this rotation get us to the playoffs? Uh, if he had a gun to my head, I would say no. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold out hope. You know, we already talked about Wheeler. He's right. sensational. Nola is probably the most frustrating Phillies pitcher ever because there are some days. Who knows? And I mean, and he turns it on sometimes. I mean, you look yeah. at his Padres start a few weeks back. He was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, like we know it's in there. It didn't just disappear. Um, so you know, a lot of the Phillies postseason chances hinge on Nola showing up tomorrow as the good version of himself or the bad version of himself. Um, Kyle Gibson, I don't like Kyle Gibson. I didn't really like the trade for Kyle Gibson. Uh, he's just low velocity, a lot yeah. of balls in the zone. He's got a poor track record, so I'm not overly confident about him pitching well, but you never know. That um, ERA was crazy going up, too. He was like a 280-something coming from Texas, and now he's like a 4-something. Like it's cool. Yeah, it's, and it was the most predictable thing ever if you looked at some of his sabermetric splits where it was just really good defense in Texas and kind of a lot of luck. Um, and then Ranger Suarez. Ranger Suarez is awesome. You know, We were talking about player development. He's a guy who's benefited from some of the new coaches down there. Um, he's a stud. I, didn't, I wasn't super confident on him making the switch from closer – to starting pitcher, but he's he shut me right up. He's a stud. I'm excited for him. I don't know if this level 
of play is sustainable. But, I mean, all you need is a couple more really good innings out of him this year and, and hopefully in the postseason. And, and, you know, that's that's great. Dude, talk about a wild ride with Ranger Suarez. He went from being injured last year. This year, remember, there was that one part of the season where he was like Spencer Howard's uh, designated relief guy. Then he gets put in the closer, like you said, and then he's is he becomes a starting pitcher. Uh, and the first couple starts, Joe's like not sure if he should take the training wheels off. He's only pitching like three innings, and then he gets like six innings. And then last Saturday, complete a complete game, ninety-seven pitches, four hits. I'm going wild. It was it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, let me let me ask you: Should the Phillies consider starting Ranger Suarez in either Wednesday or Thursday? If it was up to me, I would start him Thursday over Kyle Gibson. Granted, Joe Girardi literally 15 minutes ago said Kyle Gibson's going to pitch. So that appears to be out of the question. I don't like it. I mean, granted, you still need good pitchers for the Miami series. Um, true. Very true. You know, you, you paid a big price for Kyle Gibson to come in and be a part of your rotation. So this is kind of where you just put it on Kyle and be like, all right, bud, like you're an all-star. You're supposed to be good. You got You got to give us an outing here. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Uh, so what's so I know you're not so high on the bullpen. I mean, I think we can agree it's definitely looked better than 2020. What has made it look a tad bit better than the 2020 version of it? Well, the, the 2020 version was historically bad. So pretty much Awful. no matter what you did, it was going to look a little bit better. Uh, granted, the Phillies have blown the all time record for saves in a season. So they've been historically bad in their own right. Um, you know, what's made it a little bit better, a little more depth. I mean, Dombrowski, two of the first moves he made was going out and getting Jose Alvarado and Sam Coonrod, and neither of them have been great, but they are MLB caliber pitchers. Uh, Hector Neres sliding him back into a, a setup role has really, really benefited him. He's thriving. Electric. So fun. <laughs> he stopped um, on first base. That was awesome. You know, in, in the offseason, if we're being real, they probably still got to add three to four good bullpen arms. I don't know how they're going to do it. It's a pretty weak uh, reliever market in terms of free agency. Uh, but kind of just a few little fringe additions. And then, you know, the Hector Nearest, um, you know, finding a better spot for him has made it a little bit more serviceable this year. Okay. Okay. So who, who do you, we need? Who do you think needs to be here next season as far as this bullpen goes? Well, they, they need a damn closer. I mean, they, they've needed a closer for a decade now. I mean, like Hector's filled in that role, and we've all known it's not his best spot. And it's been proven this year that he is better in the seventh or the eighth inning. So they, they need a closer. They need an old-school closer, someone that Joe, assuming Joe Girardi's back next year, which I think he will be. Um, you know, Joe Girardi likes his closers. He wants a veteran closer that he can lean on four to five times a week. And Ian Kennedy's not that guy. So you got to go get a closer – um, Dombrowski, one of his most iconic trades was acquiring uh, Craig Kimbrell. So you kind of want him to repeat that, not necessarily getting Kimbrell, but finding another elite closer, oh, bringing him in, and then just letting him ride in the ninth inning. So that's kind of – you got to start there, and then you can start working your way down. Do you think Ian gets paid by a team, like like it's a good closer money this offseason? Ian Kennedy? Yeah. Or do you think – yeah, you think he's going to – he took he took a minor league deal at the start of this past season, and I think that's probably maybe he gets like a one two million dollar deal, but like he's okay. gonna be thirty, he's gonna be thirty seven. I'm not. Damn, man, no. pushing. Yeah, no more, no more Ian Kennedy. 
I and this is funny. I love Alvarado, but there's just sometimes like I feel like he's too much of a hide. So sometimes I'm just like, where's your uh, your your strike zone command? Sometimes, and I I do love that sinker. He's got. I mean that that lefty's pretty dangerous. But I I agree with you, my man. And heck, I mean Hector leaving the closer spot has really been good for him as well. He's not a closer, uh, but he's good be in those little in those mid innings, uh, coming in for relief, and it's it's been a lot of fun and. Uh, and will we um what's it what? Connor Brogdon? He's coming back. He got uh recalled as well. I'd love to see that tall, lanky mother effort going back out there in his relief. Should be fun, man. Should be fun. Um, all right. So let's look at the lineup to, to at least tonight, and then I'll get your thoughts on the uh on our lineup in general in this series. Um, so tonight to start off, uh, we got it's pretty much the same same thing that we've seen uh throughout the uh, last last month or so. Uh, lead off, you got starting center field Odubel Herrera. And uh, batting second, starting in second base, Gene Segura. Batting third, <clears throat> starting in right field, your MVP, Bryce Harper. Batting fourth and starting at catcher, JT Real Muto. Batting fifth and starting at first base, we got Brad Miller. Batting sixth and starting at left field, Andrew McCutcheon. Batting seventh and start, starting at shortstop, Didi Gregorius. Batting eighth and starting at third base, Freddie Galvis. And your starting pitcher tonight, obviously, is Zach Wheeler, and he's batting ninth. Interesting. Um, in this first game, that Girardi's going to go with Galvis over Torres as as a starter. Um, like you mentioned earlier, the 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 bottom half of this lineup is not that strong. But what have you liked from this lineup? I mean, they they can when at will they can put up some runs, my man. Yeah, uh, no, you're absolutely right, and I think the key this series is playing the splits, which I know irritates mm. people at times. But tonight, for example. You have Charlie Morton on the mound, who's very good. He's right-handed. So getting in O'Double, who's a lefty, Brad Miller, who's a lefty, uh, riding with Didi, who can be very frustrating at times. Uh, Freddie Galvis over Torres makes sense tonight because Galvis can't hit left-handed. Mm. I think that's the key. But then on the flip side, tomorrow night, when you have a lefty on the mound, you know, get get Matt Veerling out there who, who crushes lefties. Get get Ronald Torres out there who can, who can hit a lefty. So I think that's the key. Fine with the lineup tonight. It's kind of been what they're running. Uh, what they've run the last few months, uh, but I, I would love to see them aggressively play the split game moving forward, just to capitalize. Because I mean, every single at bat matters right now. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Uh, on speaking on that, I want to get your thoughts on Matt Veerling. I mean, I see a guy taking advantage of an opportunity. Matt's batting over three hundred. What are your thoughts on that, man? Yeah, no, I mean he's fun. Um, hell yeah. What what I really like about him because you know the three hundred average. It probably isn't sustainable, but he's he's hitting the ball very hard, which is yeah. typically a good sign that he's translating what he did in the minor leagues because he raked in the minor leagues, hit the ball very hard there. He's coming up. Even when he's fouling pitches back or getting out, he's hitting the ball, you know, 100-plus miles per hour, which is kind of the blueprint on, on a good offensive player these days is hit the baseball hard, good things will happen. On top of that, he's fast. He's a good defender. He can play multiple spots. Um, I think he's a guy who will comfortably have a spot on next year's team. Yeah, man, it's 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 definitely been a lot of fun. And you definitely want to see it, especially like we're in a crucial moment of our season. And this guy coming in up in the minors is adding some production here for the Phillies. So it's definitely something you you want to see here. Um, let's let's move over to our enemy here. So obviously, Atlanta, they're a solid squad. And I do want to give them credit. They've battled injuries this year. Kind of feels like watching the Eagles, right? Um, 
but they're still leading the, the division and they are a resilient bunch. You know, kind of give us a little bit of the scouting report. What makes Atlanta Atlanta and what should we really be looking out for? Yeah, and you know, we mentioned at the start of the show they've lost two of their biggest bats in uh, Ozuna to suspension and then uh, Acuna to a torn ACL. So obviously they have Freddie Freeman and Ozzy Albies still doing their thing. Uh, Austin Riley's really taking the next step. But what separates this team from the Phillies and the reason they've made this crazy second-half push is their trade deadline. They absolutely crushed it. They brought in four bats, Eddie Rosario, Adam Duvall, Jock Peterson, and Jorge Soler. And literally every single one of them is putting up better numbers than the team they were with at the start of the season. Every single one of them has been insanely productive. So you look at their lineup and you're like, oh, you know, they're, they're missing Acuna. You know, they're missing uh, Ozuna. They're, they're kind of injured. You look at the actual numbers. This team's raking. They score a lot of runs. They hit a lot of home runs. If you watch the Padres series this past weekend, they scored a lot of runs against the Padres. So it's, it's a team that's had to battle. It's a team that's hurt. It's a team that's injured. But they are hitting the ball very, very well. They have a lot of weapons out there. So this is not your typical, you know, get through Freeman and you're good. Every single hitter in this line has been very productive recently. It's so frustrating. Why why are they always so consistent? Like it's not like listen, they're not like the Yankees, but they're they're nor are they the Marlins, but they're always like consistently competing. Like what makes the Braves the Braves, man? Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's the front office. Like I mean, it, it's the reason the Phillies haven't been consistent. The Braves front office, they've done a great job of finding talent, locking them up for cheap. They're very good at drafting. Um, you know, obviously they found Acuna and Ozzy Albies, and then the trade deadline, which is kind of the final puzzle. Can you bring in the right people? And for the last four years, they've brought in the right people, um, so that they keep on doing it. Um, you know, like I said, they took four stabs, and I think their vision was like one of these players is going to be good, and all four have been good, and that's why they're in first place. <laughs> Go figure. Oh my God, the absolute <laughs> luck, the absolute luck there. Um, all right. Uh, Dave, I want to know, what do you see happening here uh, in this series for our Philadelphia Phillies? I would love to say sweep. I don't think think they're going to sweep. I think they do take two of three, um, which doesn't – that's not actually that helpful. It still puts them in a position where the Braves would have to lose uh, games to the Mets or the Rockies to end the year, which is not a great spot to be in. but that, that's that's probably where I'm at. I think I agree. Um, it, dude, going down to Atlanta, down in there for... And listen, I'm, I'm sure those Atlanta fans are going to show up for this series. I, I know... When I when I look at sports in Atlanta, I know like the Braves aren't the highest of, of the of the totem pole down there, but I'm sure they're going to want to show up for a team that is leading a division, I would hope. Um, so it's definitely going to be a little... I think it's going to be a little hostile. Um going down there and we just talked about who the Braves are. I just don't see a way that they can sweep. It would be really difficult. So, oh man, I agree. I think they'll take two or three. And then I I think to me, I think the real test is going down to Miami because you know, the horrors down in Marlins park. We, I don't know what it is. It's like our kryptonite, but we can't just get it done down there, man. Uh, What do you, what do you think that is? Why is it that we we struggle down there? Is it like a mental thing? I think it's, it has to be a mental thing because it's, it's it's different players who struggle every year. Like I think there's just this ambiance in the air that they're like, oh man, we, we gotta beat Miami, and they can never do it. Um, my my biggest fear is that the Phillies do sweep Atlanta and then go drop two or three to Miami, and that's how they get knocked out. Can you imagine? It might it could happen? 
<laughs> it can't be worse than last year, dude. Last year, I remember. The, I remember the last week. I think we had six or seven games that last week. We just needed one stinking win. That's all we needed, and we were in the dance. One stinking win, and we couldn't do it. And we also, I, I will say, we had. I think Nola went through injuries. JT went through injuries. I think Reese went through injuries as well. Which, by the way, we didn't talk about that. But Reese's loss. I feel like I feel like we'd be leading the division right now if we had Reese Hosses in this lineup because he was he was batting on another level. But yeah, man, it's some <laughs> for some reason our luck just never falls our way, my man. Yeah, um, you know, but like we've said, you know, when when front offices enter a season, their number one goal is to have a chance at the end of September. It's, it's, it's been it's been unorthodox. It's definitely not been ideal. The Phillies have dropped so many bad games. Um, but here they are with, with a chance to win the division. It's it's 100% on them to just go get it done, um, you know. And if they can do it, they will be in the playoffs. David, who, who would have thought a team that has a losing record against the last two place teams in the NLS has a chance at the playoffs? That's <laughs> why, why I love baseball. You, you never know what you're going to get. It's a great sport. That's why you play 162 of them. David, I appreciate you coming on, my man. Again, dude, there's not many people that has the expertise in baseball that you do. Um, where can people find you? And also, like I said, I really do have the the blue uh, the bullpen blues in my rotation podcast. You guys are one of my favorite Phillies pods. Where can people find you and that great podcast as well? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for listening. Uh, me and Kevin yeah, definitely man. appreciate that. But uh, mainly on Twitter, at David Esser underscore. Um, you can go follow me there. I'll be tweeting through all these Phillies games. Um, and then, yeah, the, the Bullpen Blues podcast, me and my co-host Kevin run that. And we normally do about two episodes a week talking about the Phillies. And we have a lot of off-season stuff planned, so that's not going away once the season ends. But you can also find that connected to my Twitter account. Absolutely, man. Yeah, Kevin does a great – yeah, let, let Kevin know. He does a great job as well. His insights is, is intriguing as well. Uh, one last question. So what does David do during this pivotal series? Are, are you going to be – do you have to work? Like are you going to be, you know, relaxing with a beer or something? Like what's what does David do during these, this series? Yeah, well, relaxing is not going to be Um Tonight, I'll actually – I'll probably be working through the game. So okay. I'll have the game up on one laptop, working on, on my work laptop, just getting some stuff done for tomorrow. Um, but other than that, I mean, glued. Glued to the screen. Uh, it's got my full attention for the next couple of days. Are you subscribed to the MLB app? So, yes, I have the MLB app. Um, okay. But I'm also a big big fan of, you know, the old illegal stream. Hey. Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't get the games where I'm at. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be watching. Don't worry about that. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, man. Well, Dave, I, I hope that the Phillies can make us all smile, and especially in the city of Philadelphia. And, and again, I do appreciate you coming on in. Guys, please make sure to check out Dave Esser. Uh, gr again, great uh, content and great opinions on baseball. And, and not just baseball. He does a lot of Sixers and Eagles stuff as well. Dave, I appreciate you, my man. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I really do have a good time. Absolutely. Let's go, Phils. Let's go, Phils.